Well, hello folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is, of course, the American Soccer Podcast, in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. women's and men's national team. I'm Clayton. I'm a rapper. I'm Kwame. I am the soccer doctor. <laughs> and the we love the Nets. Yes, we do. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. Folks, exciting. So today we got a lot to catch up on, lots to talk about. The way this is going to work is uh, the U.S. women's WNT, the elites, the good Nats, just wrapped up versus Sweden. Uh, so we're going to start out with a conversation between Kwame and myself about that game as well as the previous one versus Chile. And then I've got Ty calling in for a quick check-in to talk about uh, US MNT versus Guyana, Pooley's back baby. So uh, whatever, whatever your uh, national team interests are, uh, I hope that you find them fulfilled in this here pod. A uh, quick little housekeeping. As always, please do rate us five stars on whatever podcasting uh, software, podcatcher you're using. Uh, that, that really helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. And uh, you could have your review read on the show if you do that, so please do that. Reach out to us at WTP Pod. That's Wilbur Tango Pizza Pod. Uh, if you would like to uh, ask us any questions, feed us your opinions, you know, say some stuff. Get to know us. Why not? Um, and, of course, if this is your first episode with us, why not hit that subscribe button? It's going to be an awesome summer. That's it. That's it for housekeeping. All right, Kwame, how you feeling? We're coming out of this group stage. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling tense. Uh, I started uh, yelling and screaming at the screen uh, during the USA-Sweden game. That's how I know I'm in peak fighting condition, ready to move <laughs> on to the uh, knockout stages. It's fucking on and popping, baby. Shit just got real. So the last time we were with you, it was uh, post a 13-0 absolute dismantling of an unfortunately placed Thailand side. Uh, they were unfortunately placed on the other end of the field from these U.S. elites. Uh, and since then, we've had a couple games. So real quick, we did play Chile. It was a second-string Nats, uh, arguably still. But I uh, forget, forget who was saying it, but uh, someone on the U.S. team had said we have the first-place and second-place teams in this World Cup. Maybe. Yeah, bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> uh, a little bit of overconfidence there. We were deep but yeah so it but it, it was a strong showing uh for sure from this uh, second string ended three nothing versus chile and we get to see all field players on this roster get playing time so that's exciting and uh worth noting as well is that endler the chilean goalkeeper had a fantastic game especially in the second half uh keeping Kristen press off the score sheet somehow and psyching out lloyd with some epic trash talk making her straight up miss a pk which was uncharacteristic so at the end of the day uh three goals in the first half saw the u.s essentially clinching uh very close to clinching uh, uh, advancement. I think maybe yes at clinching, but in second place, something like that. So the pressure's off. Yeah, clinched it, um, but first or second of the group is still up for grabs against Sweden. 
Okay, cool. So, so, so pressure is off in a lot of ways. Sweden also through, but coming into this third group stage game, you'd never have guessed it. Both of these teams came out guns blazing. It was essentially a first choice team with the exception of a uh, missing Julie Ertz, who apparently was a little bit injured, but not that injured. I'm not sure what that means. I guess we'll find out later. This one would ultimately end 2-0 to the U.S., uh, featuring a, a, a fascinating goal from Tobin Heath. Kind of reminded me of uh, that, that one goal that Landon Donovan had a couple World Cup cycles ago where uh, Heath just rips this near post after a couple dribbles, and it's an audacious uh, decision, an audacious attempt, and it goes in the back of the net. However, VAR had a fucking field day with this shit, uh, spent about apparently seven minutes, which was the amount of stoppage time we'd get at the end of the first half, trying to decide whether or not the offsides Carly Lloyd influenced this play. Um, and I'd be interested to see what Kwame's thoughts are, but I also want to open it up. So Kwame, here we are. We beat Chile. We beat Sweden. Going out of the group stage. First place. No goals against. Spain's up next. What were your first impressions after the final whistle? Well, it was, you know, it was a pretty uh, strong performance. Um, I would say that uh, we definitely showed some of our same frailties against Sweden, uh, who came closer to punishing us for us, but for it, but didn't. Uh, but then also a number of our players are looking very sharp. Uh, and I think that we're in a very good position to beat Spain, uh, and then hopefully be ready for almost certainly France in that quarterfinal. Uh, two nothing against Sweden. You know, Sweden is a very difficult team. Um, we it's a long-standing rivalry we've played against them in every single world cup which is kind of hard to believe but every single world cup we've played sweden um they knocked us out of the olympics which is just barely below the world cup in the women's game they eliminated us in 2016 uh and there's been a lot of um trash talk for the last three years a lot of bad blood um and that came out in this game so i think the u.s um was more satisfied with this win than it would have been uh, if it had been, uh, I don't know, um, if it had been Norway, let's say, or or Spain or some other team uh, that's advancing as a second place. Um, yeah, you got it. wanted to beat them, and you could see from some of the tackles that were that were flying in that they also, you know, were not very big fans of us. Yeah, this shit was raw, man, and and it, luckily it does seem like we got out of this without uh, unscathed. Not too many, no, no yellow cards here, uh, no, no career-ending injuries, thank God. But this, this game was real. The, the pressure's up, the heat's up. This tournament is, is dialing in uh, for this team, and we got a real test here. Let's get this one out of the way. Kwame, do you think Carly Lloyd was involved in that play? Should that have been an offsides call? What I would say is that for my entire soccer-watching and soccer-playing existence, uh, that would have been offsides. However, uh, they have changed the wording of the rule. And beginning in the last summer's World Cup uh, for the men, and then also in a couple of games this Women's World Cup, they have consistently said that if a defensive player plays the ball and essentially is able to play the ball without being physically 
contacted or you know or too close to in too close proximity to the offensive player even though they're offsides even though their presence is probably influencing their decision to play the ball i guess the letter of the law is that it's not influencing the manner in which they play the ball their the quality with which they play the ball and therefore uh, it's not offsides. The same thing happened in Australia versus Brazil. I don't know if you saw that game or if the listeners, but um, Australia won the game basically on a um, on a long ball that was an own goal by the Brazilian central midfielder, who a central defender, who was jumping and trying to flick the ball away because if she had let the ball go it would have fallen to Sam Kerr, who is not the person you want coming in with a header on goal. Uh, but because it went off of her and Sam Kerr was behind her, even though Sam Kerr was in a position to play the ball if the ball had gone through, they said, no, this is not offside. So for the past year, this has been the rule. And as much as I've been infuriated with some of the decisions with VAR, and we can perhaps talk about that at the end, what I would say is that VAR has made the refereeing more consistent than any tournament that I can remember watching. Yeah, cons- consistency is king. That because everything is reviewed and they have time to apply the letter of the law to everything, because it had been legislated a certain way in that Brazil-Australia game, there was no doubt in my mind that this was goal was going to stand. Uh, and I couldn't have said that in other tournaments. Yeah, and, and we may see after this tournament another rule change. But the most you, you can debate whether or not that's the way the rule should be written. But yeah. uh, you can't debate that it, it, it's being upheld uh, consistently across the board, which is, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. So it turns out uh, that it wasn't offsides, and the U.S. needed that. They really stole a goal mm-hmm. early on, just coming out a little bit more intense off of a corner, a low corner, which found its way to Lindsey Horan. But other than that, uh, the U.S. didn't look uh, totally dominating. I would say that they had the edge for this game, uh, but Sweden really did threaten throughout. Um, and they ended, they ended up really needing this second goal, I think, to, to take the W here. And in the next stage, it's one and done, right? So those kinds of things are going to become increasingly crucial. Uh, one thing I want to draw our attention to is the substitute decision in the second half. I had a lot of problems with Jill Ellis's choice here. She brings Kristen yeah. Press in. Um, and so Carly Lloyd is already on the field, brought in at halftime for what is probably a precautionary uh, measure protecting um, Alex Morgan. Hopefully, we, we hope. Um, maybe not. Um, but anyways, Carly Lloyd's in there at striker. Kristen Press comes in. I'm certain that it's going to be for Megan Rapino, who wasn't having the greatest game. It, it ends up being for Rose Lavelle. Yeah. Who, and Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis up to that point were having both phenomenal games, game-changing games. And after this switch, the U.S. never looked the same until the final whistle. Um, and, and, and Chris and Press would end up playing three different positions. Everything got mm-hmm. mishmashed all around, um, and it just looked a little disjointed. Um, and eventually, Megan Rapino would have to come off uh, for, um, for Mal Pugh. Pugh. Mm-hmm. So it, it seemed to me like another, another uh, moment where we saw Jill Ellis's dependence on sort of uh, the people who, are, who, are, who have been around with this team for a long time and, and perhaps an overemphasis on those names. Kwame, would you agree? Yeah. And how did you feel about this change? 
Yeah, I would. I think you know it goes back to think about her substitutions in the second half. We really have to think about how the game started, which is the absence of Julie Ertz, yeah. right? Um, who was held out? Uh, I think they said a hip contusion, um, you know, hip bruise, and probably would have played right if this was the knockout stages. But makes sense to hold her out, and I think Ellis has been very, I think, new that this could be a physical game and really wanted to uh, be cautious about who she played, who she took out, how much rest she gave people. That meant that in terms of midfielders, true midfielders, right? We had the three midfielders who were on the field, Haran, Mewis, and Lavelle, um, all of whom are playing really well. I would say Mewis and Lavelle are as sharp as I've ever seen them, and Haran is coming back into kind of her full form. But aside from that, then the other midfielders we have left are Ali Long and Morgan Bryan, um, both of whom got some time against Chile, um, but neither of whom I would say impressed very much. Um, And I would say that's also not so surprising because they have either been on the fringes or not been called in for the past two years. So Yeah, they were were not that good. It it really made me start to wish I was seeing more McCall Zerboni out there. Yeah, and so Jill Ellis really has sort of painted herself in the corner a little bit. And so when it came time for the substitutions, first, you know, Alex Morgan, um, you know, coming out, uh, again, probably precautionary, we hope precautionary. And Carly Lloyd has been on a goal-scoring tear. And so uh, in one sense, yes, it's not surprising that she would be the first one off the bench in the number nine position. But when we see Carly Lloyd for a full half against a, uh, you know, a sort of, upper tier team like Sweden is, I think we saw her limitations. Um, You know, she couldn't pull away from people um, uh, dribbling the way she could in previous games. Um, You know, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't as quick. She wasn't as sort of dominant physically. Um, And she also doesn't run in behind uh, and stretch the defenses the way that Alex Morgan does. And I would say that both Rapino and Heath were having, you know, sort of so-so games. Heath, better rapino um a little a little middling again to her i thought Heath was standards. hot fire i thought Heath was killing it out there she she had she definitely had moments and had better energy i think there were some times where um where she didn't combine necessarily as well but i think that she also uh had a better game than her earlier games in the tournament but with carly lloyd at the number nine i think that we we lost, uh, you know, we lost in the taxing, attacking prowess. Uh, sure. Lloyd is better. I was thinking about it during the game, and it's sort of like in terms of basketball terms, right? Um, Lloyd is a dominant, um, like, half-court player. Like, if you're playing, like, three-on-three, three, right, and, it's a, and, you know, you're not running the full court, you're going back, and, and, and so it's in a more compressed area, I think Lloyd is still dominant but when she's having to make sort of 50 yard runs and trying to pull and get behind defenders the way Alex Morgan had she wasn't really able to do that and wasn't really trying to do that um but then when Lavelle came out and again I think that they're doing this to say okay Rose Lavelle um we're wanting you to rest as much as possible we're not wanting to take the chance of you picking up a knock or you know a collision against one of these much bigger Swedish players then because of who Ellis brought to the World Cup and because Ertz is out, 
Um, there wasn't really a natural midfield replacement for Rose Lavelle. If you had brought a more dedicated number six, whether that was McCall Zervoni or Andy Sullivan or, or someone else, then you could have put them in um, and then pushed um, Haran forward into the number eight. And you would have Mewis and Haran kind of as the more attacking midfielders. And that would have worked really well. But we don't really have kind of like a true defensive midfielder substitute to just kind of kill a game. Uh, and that didn't really burn us against Sweden. But thinking about what we might need to win this tournament, let's say let's say that we were two up against uh, France or England, right? And they're just throwing everything at us and we need to make a midfield substitution. The way things were in this game, um, we're having to have either Tobin Heath or Carly Lloyd in the midfield um, playing against a very talented attacking team. And that's not, that's not ideal. So, um, and then Carly Lloyd started off in the midfield. Kristen Press came in and Carly Lloyd got pushed back to the midfield. And I don't know if you noticed, but she actually ended up giving up two really um, kind of silly fouls in dangerous positions just outside of our box. Yeah. Giving Sweden two free kicks. Yeah. And I think those were classic, uh, sort of fatigue fouls where you're, you're yeah. you just did a, a long sprint and yeah. she just may not have the legs and lost a little technique yeah. there right at the end yeah fatigue and also you know a striker's tackle as they say right yeah um where there's less consequences and so actually after a break in play they swapped press and moved her back into the midfield and put lloyd up top and i didn't I, I was able to kind of rewatch a little bit of the second half and didn't catch that but i think that they did that because lloyd was giving up free kicks and they said okay you have to go up top as kind of a lone striker which also is not really her role at this point and then um and then as you said they moved Kristen Press around Rapino came out Mallory Pugh came in on the right and then um Kristen Press was sort of on the left and Tobin Heath was kind of um into a sort of central midfield position and she did okay there but um but not really, not really ideally what we want. Yeah, and that whole thing broke up a really good rhythm mm-hmm. for Heath, I think, where she was really mm-hmm. threatening the whole time on that right side. And I think it would have made so much more sense to to have Press come in for Rapino from the jump and have Carly Lloyd stay uh, at the nine or or come in centrally. I don't know. You're right. Now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, it is like this Rubik's cube where. Right. One of the one of the stickers is missing, and you 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 know you do think about the roster choices, right? Because right, if Lavelle came off, and so the choice was, do I? Uh, and Ellis has brought a lot of attackers, right? So if you want to do a like for like substitution, it would have to be Brian or Long, or then you end up changing the formation, and and I think that's what she ended up doing, um, and you know we'll see. Um, hopefully. Hopefully we're in a position where that where that doesn't matter. What I would say is, in terms of who's playing well and and who's you know where our weaknesses are, our four main midfielders, right, Ertz, Haran, Mewis, Lavelle, are all playing super well. Uh, I think we definitely have the best, you know, four midfielders right in in the tournament, um, and and that's really exciting. Um, we have a great attack. They haven't really showed it yet. Haven't really showed it. This is a thir- the, This is the attack that uh, broke the record for most goals in a group stage. Yeah, but had but that wasn't 
that wasn't really that much of a of a challenge. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, that was you know that was that was kind of pure talent and athleticism overloading a team that was also um, you know had very different goals and very different expectations, right? Um, but what are the you know in terms of thinking about this game? Uh, what are the instances where our attack really turned Sweden inside out, really opened them up? Um, I'd say there's relatively few. You know, Heath had some. Um, you know, Heath had some nice dribbles. Um, Rapino, I don't think was that dangerous. A couple of her crosses were pretty errant. Um, Morgan, uh, you know, didn't have that many moments. Now she only had a half, and I think she was a little. A little um, uh, hurt um, for yeah. She you know, picked up a knock that, somewhere along that, the way. That first half, um, but I would say it was really the passes of Lavelle and Mewis. Yeah, man. That um, that were really great. I mean, Carly Lloyd in the 90th minute, Mewis delicious pass sends Lloyd in one on one and on the keeper, and and she, you know, she could go left or right, and she goes center into the keeper's into the keeper's yeah. chest. Uh, and so that's I think that's an example, right? That we haven't really, we haven't really seen a, a really sharp attacking trio that on their own can make a defense uncomfortable. They haven't right. really done. They didn't really do that today against against Sweden. They, they didn't do it today, and they haven't had enough chances really versus good opposition to prove it to us. Let's check in a little bit uh, with the defense here. So Sweden, yeah. threatening for sure, didn't score. Uh, this, this U.S. defense has seen us through uh, clean sheets. Alyssa Nair somehow hasn't been scored on yet, mm-hmm. um, but not looking too convincing back there uh, under, uh, in a lot of cases. Kwame, how are you feeling about uh, the defense going into the elimination rounds? Uh, I'm as uh, nervous as as. I've consistently been you know, for months <laughs> with this with this defense. Uh, it is, you know, there's still a lot sweating. of experience. I'm still sweating. There's a lot of experience. Um, O'Hara and Sauerbrunn have tons of experience. Dahl Kemper has, you know, been a starter for years um, and uh, is doing really well. You know, Crystal Dunn, right, is... She's been playing left back for a couple of years now with the national team, but that's not her full-time position with her club team or anywhere else. And so she's still learning the position and has other instincts at times. And I would say there are twice uh, in this game where she fell into a tendency that I think she sometimes has against the better teams. When, they're, when someone is driving at the center, she has a tendency to get sucked in to the middle and then a runner on the outside of her comes can come free for a for a simple through ball that happened twice, um, and it always which seems makes to me sense. That, That's a very central yeah. midfielder's approach to the game. You know, you just go to it. Yeah, it does make it does make sense. Um, you know, but also it's it's very dangerous. And I think there's a way in which too that that midfielder's instinct is you know I'm going to bite centrally, and then I'll also. And then my recovery speed will will make up for it if if someone goes by me. But um, that deep into your own area that that doesn't happen. So there's twice in this game where I think a better um, a better winger for Sweden uh, really hurts us because Dunn uh, gets gets sucked in. Uh, I think also our pace for the center backs isn't um, 
isn't great. Um, you know, they're not slow, but they're not they're not uh, speedy enough to really erase mistakes. Uh, and then for Nair, um, they're you know they're you know she had a clean sheet. Um, you know, I think there were one or two shots that came at her that were you know had some difficulty, but where she struggled the most were on high you know high hard crosses, um, and that's consistently I would say for years been. Uh, her Achilles heel, um, that she doesn't control the box um, as well as uh, some other keepers do. Uh, and um, and she doesn't judge the flight of the ball as well as, uh, as some other keepers do. And then the, I would say the last thing, and not to pick on, uh, not to pick on there, because I also don't know the, the ability level of of our other goalkeepers, and I think our defense didn't help her out. But there were plenty of times against Sweden. Sweden would kind of high press us, and we would sort of play safe and play the ball square or backwards, and eventually pass the ball back to Nair, but not necessarily with a lot of time and space. And and so Nair would end up eventually booting the ball forward. And she's not she's not a goalkeeper like you know Aderson. Uh, from Man City, who can? She ain't no sweeper keeper. Yeah, she's she's not going to ping a forty yard um, a pass most of the time. She's gonna she's gonna clear it. And so what ends up happening is the press pushes us back, and then she ends up clearing it, and then it's sort of a fifty fifty. Uh, and and if we were perhaps a little braver with our passes, then you know then we wouldn't um, put ourselves in perhaps a little bit of precarious position. Yeah. So I'm again. I think the defense is what it is uh you know we do gain a lot with kelly o'hara there uh so much she, she is such a badass player yeah she's uh she's made of granite she's really tough uh she's you know she's just unflinching uh and you know and really experienced and gets in in people's ways um i would say that thinking about the the back line moving forward uh I may be repeating myself a little bit from other podcasts, but I spend a lot of time thinking about not what the defensive line can do, but what we can do in the midfield to protect the defensive line, right? Yeah. So we've got four midfielders who are all playing really awesome. Um, how do we utilize that midfield the best possible way? So I, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan. I think, People may not know that if they didn't listen to the 100th episode, but if you didn't, go back and listen. But I'm a Liverpool fan, and uh, I was reading an interview that uh, Jill Ellis did talking about Liverpool and being somewhat of a model for the way she wants the U.S. team to play. And if you know anything about Liverpool, um, they have a set front three, pretty much. They have a set back four and keeper, and then they have a roster of midfielders um kind of five or six midfielders that they use and the combination of midfielders they use depends on the opponent depends on what they want to accomplish that day and if they want more attack or if they want um you know more uh defensively oriented midfielders or um they put together that combination right and that obviously uh is a potential recipe for a lot of success and i think that in some ways, the U.S. is set up to do that as well with this current roster. Uh, 
Ellis really sort of stuck with a main three of Ertz, uh, Haran, and Lavelle and didn't really give Samantha Mewis much time on the field over the past year, much to my chagrin. Uh, and if you caught the game today, um, Ali Wagner um, really <laughs> quite vocally around halftime was saying, like, I don't know why it took Samantha Mewis so long uh, for Alice to give her minutes, um, you know, if she's playing this well. And I think that's true. But now that we're here, as we move forward, I, I hope that Ellis thinks about uh, what's my best midfield combination to give my defense cover. Does that include Roosevelt or not? Um, and then secondly, the U.S. has decided that the best defense is a good attack. I think in a lot of ways, and that's that's a philosophy that a lot of teams have. And so then, well, then what's our best way to attack? And I and so Crystal Dunn is you know a defender, but she's also very attack minded. She's a natural attacker. Uh, she doesn't overlap. She she ends up coming inside when she pops into the attack because Rapino often takes that wide left area. But if Rapino is not firing on all cylinders, and I think we can agree that she's not at the top of her game, uh, I do wonder if we gain something from having a more a midfield that's sort of sitting and screening the defense a little bit more, but then also giving opportunities for uh, Crystal Dunn to overlap Megan Rapino. Yeah, so maybe uh, because, having like an Ertz Haran double six situation happening where either one of them can mm-hmm. can slide back. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we haven't experimented. Be like that's one of the few formations we haven't really experimented with. <laughs> um, but uh, you know Haran does play that position for her club team. She plays you know sort of the double pivot. But even if we didn't do a double pivot, even if we just did a a, a, a front three, um, but instead of the left-sided midfielder who would probably be Mewis pushing forward so much if she sort of sat centrally more and then let uh, and then let Dunn overlap and then that channel that Dunn would sometimes vacate would be covered by Mewis and by the left-sided center back would be Sauerbrunn and between the two of them um, they could provide cover. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't think that against Spain. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's take this opportunity to pivot forth. Um, we've got Spain coming up. Everyone talked so much about the possibility of the U.S. and France meeting that I think uh, a lot of people are overlooking this next game uh, versus Spain. Can you tell me a little bit about the Spain team and uh, what you want to see going into this uh, first knockout round from the U.S.? Yeah, so Spain is um, a good side. Um, I've got a chance to watch a couple of their games, um, mostly the game against China and then a little bit of their game against Germany. They are, um, you know, they're, they, I think they're modeled in some ways after the men's team of the recent vintage, which is you know, a lot of very technical players, um, a lot of nice triangles, a lot of ball movement, possession, um, a lot of their uh, team, uh, a lot of their team, they play their club football at, um, at Barcelona. Uh, and they have a lot of young players coming through. I think their, their U20 team won the World Cup 
either last year or the year before, I can't remember which, and a couple of those players, including the leading scorer for that tournament, is on this Spanish team. Uh, so they're very good and technical and organized, but they have no teeth in the front line. Um, they really have one player, um, uh, Hermoso, um, who is somewhat dangerous, but she doesn't have a lot of pace. She needs to combine. Um, and she's not, at least in the games that I saw, uh, Spain never really posed much of a goal threat. Um, and so I think that we, from the defensive side, we were talking a lot about the sort of defensive, defensive concerns. I don't think that they will trouble us too much. I think it could be a game that, um, that where we're frustrated and have to work to try and score. Um, we played them in a friendly maybe about a year ago um, where we went to, uh, went to Europe. I think it was right after we played uh, France. And uh, we beat them one nothing. but um, it, was really, it was really a tough game, and it took a Kristen Press um, kind of solo effort, uh, this sort of 40-yard run uh, with the ball, beating a couple of players, and then the keeper to, to, uh, to win that game. So I think it'll be a, um, a game where we're going to be working to unlock a team that's not necessarily bunkered, but is um, is going to be trying to retain possession, but probably not able to hurt us too much. So you got to say that uh, so far the U.S. hasn't answered some of the questions that we had coming into this tournament. Uh, they haven't convinced us yet uh, defensively. They have not. Jill Ellis's roster choices have not borne out so well, with the exception, I would say, of Ali Krieger, who is a who's a perfectly good injury backup. For Kelly mm-hmm. O'Hara, but in the mm-hmm. midfield, you know, we are we're we're noticing a lack of depth there at this point, which is hard to. I can't believe I'm saying those words, lack of depth with this team, but it's true. Um, and there are some weird f- decisions that Ellis is making in game, weird tactical switches that that she's doubling back on uh, under pressure, and it just doesn't feel all uh, tightened up yet. However. This tournament is setting up so nicely for the U.S. to build into it. It's increasingly, uh, perhaps Sweden a, a stronger team than Spain, um, but every, at every step, the U.S. is kind of getting exactly what they need. And, and in this next game, they have another chance versus a strong side, but not a great attacking side, to uh, tighten it up on the, in, on the defensive end. And that's really exactly what they need going into a potential game versus France. Yeah, I would agree. I think Spain, you know, and Sweden are probably they're probably pretty close in quality. There's two very different teams. I would say that what I would be hoping for in this upcoming game against Spain is to continue the great play of the midfield and work on the connection between the front line and the midfield. Um yeah. there were some really beautiful raking passes by Mewis um, in particular, uh, there were uh, two or three times where um, there's a you know it was a, th- a thirty yard pass to either. Rapino it's fucking out or, of control. Yeah. what she's doing. It's like she, the, her vision, it, her ability to see across the field is unbelievable. It doesn't seem physically possible. She's looking through like so many bodies and somehow picks out the perfectly weighted pass. Yeah, she's really dissecting teams with her passing, and and Lavelle is really dissecting them with her dribble, and and Haran, I, 
I think, again, growing more in, in terms of her control, I think, you know, there are plenty of times where she was surrounded by two or three Swedish prayers and she just never looked troubled. And I think that that's Haran at her best is close control, but also knowing where the outlet ball is that is going to is going to put the defense under under pressure and um and you know when Ertz comes back in uh you know she adds uh that steal in the midfield and and cover and uh and the ability to score um i mean there's been a lot of goals by the US in this world cup but uh, I'm not sure if there's a better one than her goal against Chile, that near post header off the corner kick, shades of uh, Didier Drogba in the Champions League yeah. against Bayern Munich. Uh, I mean, to, to we, we talked about how good the Chilean goalkeeper Ender was. Uh, to make that run and to get that much power and accuracy on that header from that angle is just, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and uh, you know you, you can't really you can't really stop that if you if if a player pulls that off. So, yeah, she's a beast, um, man. I gotta yeah. say though, looking at these the this midfield, Haran, Lavelle, and Mewis, that I kind of wish I could see this more often. Um, mm-hmm. And if weren't if it weren't for the fact that Ertz is an absolute beast, uh, we would I think. And so yeah. part of me is now wishing that Ertz had had stayed center back and that we had different people on the roster to back up this mm-hmm. midfield three, but you can't go wrong with Ertz anywhere on the field. Yeah. I think, you know, and I, I, I to that point, I wouldn't be shocked if, I mean, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked because of the way Ellis has been um, making decisions. If Ertz started at center back and we kept this midfield three, I, I wouldn't particularly do it. Um, I think it's it's pretty late in the game to make that change, but but yeah, to your point, I think that this is something that you know we perhaps could have seen uh, or seen more of uh, throughout throughout the year. This particular three or other yeah. or other combinations or more playing for time for Samantha Mewis is, is what we basically wish we could, <laughs> we, we could story you know, short, this... go back in a time machine. Yeah, um, she good, you know, and whisper into uh, you know plant subliminal messages like Inception style <laughs> of yeah. Jill Ellis. You know, images of Sam Mewis playing midfield. Yeah, we can play. We can play recordings of Swami Jurgen saying, "Play Mewis." Yeah, during Jill Ellis's sleep. So uh, my biggest thing going into Spain is I want to see a goal from Alex Morgan, and I think that's kind mm-hmm. of a basic uh, point, but it 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 means a lot to me, and I think is is a meaningful uh, thing to look out for because I don't think this team is locked down, really prepared to win this World Cup if Alex Morgan doesn't get it going again, and it's now been two games. One for rest, I guess, which I question mm-hmm. that decision, by the way. I, mm-hmm. I would have kept Alex Morgan in throughout mm-hmm. to, keep, to get her a rhythm going. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, we've now seen two games. And, and, and then versus Sweden, where she, she kind of got knocked up and pulled out of the game. So she really needs to get it going again for this team to fire on all cylinders. And yeah. she, hasn't, she, she hasn't been uh, set up for success necessarily in that regard. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think at the time of the Chile game, I wasn't as bothered by it as some people, but I think in hindsight, um, both um, both because it was important, I think, for her to stay in rhythm. Um, but also, I think giving Carly Lloyd 90 minutes, I think also today, and maybe it was just the opposition, but I think that Lloyd looked a little leggy to me today. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, you know, maybe she would have benefited from uh, playing, you know, 60 or 70 minutes and then giving Alex Morgan, uh, you know, 20 or 30 minutes against a tired Chilean team. Maybe that, in hindsight, would have uh, worked out a little bit better because then you could have Carly Lloyd fresh for today's game. Right, uh, but it's hard to say, you know, yeah. and McDonald yeah. gets gets minutes and all, all field players get time. And yeah. it's clear that Jill Ellis and the coaching staff are putting a lot of uh, are putting a heavy emphasis on team chemistry and that it's working. This team is really happy to be together and, and really supportive mm-hmm. of each other. So there must be something to be said for that. Uh, but I agreed that I agree that I wished I was seeing seeing Morgan uh, for thirty minutes to just get a goal and and keep it moving. Yeah. Any uh, any last notes here before we switch it over, folks? We are going to switch it on over uh, and discuss the men's team. If you're here to hear about the women's team, thanks for joining us. Go ahead and switch this one off, or maybe give it a shot. Uh, but if you're if you've been with us for a while you know that we can't just miss a a men's game and we played Guyana which is not that big of a deal relative to what's going on with this women's team but we gotta do it yeah so and in parting uh I will just say that I think we cover most of what of my main thoughts about the Sweden game uh for this you know for this Spain game again I think this team is feeling really good um you know, we only got have a few people carrying yellow cards. I think just O'Hara and Haran, um, but those are two really key people. So um, hopefully, uh, against Spain, we can keep from uh, getting those yellow cards. I think I don't expect it to be a, a extremely physical game, but those are two pretty physical players. So um, my fingers crossed about that. But then I think again, I'm there's as I said in the beginning, I'm starting to curse and swear and yell at the screen and. Uh, I think that usually for me is a sign, not that I'm uh, losing your mind, not that I'm losing my mind, but that I'm that I'm seeing uh, how close this team is to being a juggernaut. And I'm like wanting to like push them over the line, you know, that sort of like, you know, uh, as if they could hear me or something like that. Yeah. But I I do think that, uh, you know, more and this is a team that can win it. Uh, I think that we should. Uh, we should have enough to beat uh, to beat Spain. Um, it's the manner in which we do it, and I and I think that we want to do it in a way where again we're building in to that quarterfinal. And when we go up against, uh, we fall fully expect to go up against France in that quarterfinal. And man, that is going to be a beautiful game. I, you know, I don't want to look ahead, but I'm looking ahead. So the players can look at the players shouldn't look ahead. I can look ahead. Yeah, exactly. We can all look ahead. That's a that's a juicy one, and you you can't help but anticipate that. Um, but it's a long tournament. You know, we got a lot of games, so stay with us the whole month. Kwame, thanks, man. You're welcome. Say hi to uh, the men's national team for me. All right, folks. Uh, I got. It's your boy, Ty, on the line. So, blah, 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 we the peeps, I'm a rapper, Ty's a... Yada, yada. The yada, yada, yada. Uh, welcome on, dude. It's been a, it's been a nice time kicking it with <sighs> Kwam Das. Uh, so, it's uh, good to hear your voice as well. Thank you for allowing me to interrupt. Yeah, we gotta talk some crap gnats. Like the USMNT is interrupting your summer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. We call, we call my bedroom WTP headquarters, and I'm just in here, like slanging calls <laughs> at the boards all right all oh right. boy so we got a game Chained to the desk <laughs> gotta stay gotta stay that's the life 
Uh, I, I keep I keep these faders moving. It's 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 the life that chose you, you know. <laughs> so we have to talk crap, Nats. Uh, we played oh. Guyana. I'm gonna try to condense this as much as I can. If I could, this 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 I'm tempted to do just like a 20 minute game recap, just just going into everything that Zardes did. But let me let me try to keep this tight here. Um, Epic game from Zardes, <laughs> the Zardesiest game ever, if you can believe it. Uh, folks, uh, the quickest lineup, two gloves, Zach Steffen. We saw Long Zimmerman center backs, Nick Lima, you know him, you love him, as well as Tim Ream. In the middle, we finally got uh, what feels like a first team that's worth watching. Michael Bradley, Wes McKenney, and Christian Pulisic. And up front, Pauli Areola Nips, the, uh, the, the standard, the stalwart, the hardest nips in the galaxy. Uh, Giassi <laughs> Zardes and newcomer Tyler Boyd, good to see you. This one would end 4-0 if you didn't see it, uh, which you're less likely to have seen this than the uh, games we just covered. So it, it did indeed end 4-0. I'm sure the men were paid better to participate. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> fucked up. Sad sound. Uh, sad foghorn. Um, so, so we won it 4-0. First game of the group stage of the Gold Cup. A couple of my highlights. Copa. <laughs> Hit me with the it's highlights. Copa. Uh, Zardes's uh, first touch uh, that turned into an accidental shot, which was then called back offsides. For uh, outside, yeah. <laughs> the guy can't decide whether or not to celebrate or not. Uh, and... To accidentally score while <laughs> accidentally offside. <laughs> he has just no idea what's going on. Uh, in the 47th minute, uh, right, Zardes would trap the ball on a perfect opportunity for the keeper to pick up. So first, the, the best touch Zardes had all game was a soft trap for the for the opposing keeper. Uh, yeah, like the, a, a nice like uh, sweeping defense, you know. Yeah, it was like calmly <laughs> collecting and passing back to the goalie. Total yeah. butter from from yeah. Giassi Zardes. Great touch. Um, in the 50th minute. Uh, uh, Tyler Boyd would get the 1,000th USMNT goal of all time, which I think is just gorgeous. Uh, Tyler Boyd, New Zealander, a dual national. We love that. TB1K. Yeah, I was telling my girlfriend, this is one of the things I love most about this team is that on, on our Nats, uh, we randomly have players show up out of the fucking blue, and sometimes they're really good, which Tyler Boyd has been. So I think so wonderful and appropriate for him to get the 1,000th goal uh, for this team. And then the highlight of all highlights, uh, the Zardesiest mm. goal ever. Doesn't get more Zardesi <laughs> no, than nothing this. better than this. It's this a, is better than the butt assist from last uh, Gold yeah. Cup. It's a whipped in cross, which comes off the <laughs> defender milliseconds later, <laughs> like rails off of Giassi Zardes's face and into the back wham. of the net. Just, just wham, traffic cone in there. A warm body. No celebration from Zardes. I'm not sure. Didn't even have to be warm. Just yeah. like a a, a, a nice <laughs> gap mannequin would have would have been able to score. Yeah, it's the equivalent. And, and look a little better it's the equivalent of one of those like silhouette things that they use as to practice as a wall <laughs> yeah, exactly those yellow things <laughs> so so it's the uh, usa's number nine I could not i just could not get enough of the zardesiness in this game one last note on it the broadcast was incredibly well directed uh there were some phenomenal shots of oh, fans man. of both Ar- artistic teams. there yes. was a there was a zoom out uh 
a bird's eye view of the goalkeeper in Christ position after an injury. <laughs> uh, it was it was like this show was poetry. Cool hand motion. Luke. <laughs> I loved it. Symbolism. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it, the the stadium was outstanding. I mean, I can't wait to get out there. Yeah, it was it was really well done all around. Uh, four nil. Oh fuck! I can't leave this game recap without mentioning that no. the Guyanan player Harriet. Uh, was like a was like a cartoon out there. He was like an anime version of a soccer player. Thousands of stepovers. He had there was one awesome play in the first half where he did five stepovers in a row. That's not an exaggeration. Had Nick Lima turned all the way three sixty and then continued to do stepovers and eventually <laughs> yeah. lost the I ball. I remember Nick Lima managing to turn all the way around <laughs> and not lose him. That was, was fantastic. Yeah, dude, uh, it was great. He's the Guyanan Neymar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's for sure. <laughs> it was it was fun. I think uh, I I had a lot of laughs in this one. Ty, what were your first impressions? Uh, much the same. If we needed any more con- confirmation that Giassi Zardes is not national team caliber, ironically, him scoring is the greatest indictment. <laughs> it's like any other more capable soccer player would have like somehow avoided it, tried to trap and shoot, you know. <laughs> He's just a he, he's just he's have, a warm you body. Just, you just have your head like in header position. You do the header motion. You know. Yeah, yeah. Or something. just do the motion. Yeah. He's so like it doesn't unaware just the game was slam happening. you right in the grill. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm very worried. I'm worried about about uh, GB's sanity. Keep trotting this dude out there. Um, yeah, man. Speaking team... speaking of the Berhalter, we got a we got Rodan, uh, Roldan, and uh, oh Will yeah, Trapp thank in goodness. There. Gotta yes. have them. Super subs. You know, we, what's what's a Berhalter game without these two? Yeah, Ariola uh, looked good though in Berhalter. It's defense. just the 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 Zardes thing was hilarious, but it just kept reminding me of how much of a travesty it is that Sargent is not there. That that Greg Berhalter looks at Josh Sargent and looks at Jossie Zardes and says, "I'll take the the second guy." <laughs> I'll take him. I think he's better. I think he's a better soccer player right now. Ridiculous. I, I mean, how? What percentage of of people, coaches, players, staff, of of the entire universe, who's on the Zardes side of that that debate? Like, if you're on transfer market and they have the like, which player would you prefer? Little thing, and you vote. Yeah, Berhalter's how, voting. What a percentage times of people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, it's it's out of control. It has it has you know early Bobby Wood, uh, or like uh, Bob Bradley's Ricardo Clark fixation, or Jonathan Bornstein. This is before your time, buddy. Before Giassi Zardes, we had a young man named Jonathan Bornstein, who was a defender who was horrible, and was never. I mean, he was fine. He was a fine MLS player. He played in uh, he played in Mexico for a little while and did pretty well. Just not a national team player. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, Will Trap. You're just not good enough for the national team. That's fine. We'll move on. But they just kept trotting him out there. And he, you know, somehow gains the the uh the favor of Bob Bradley, and then he's costing us goals in World Cups, you know? Same with Ricardo Clark. Like co- coaches tend to have these players, these like blind spot players where they just can't seem to to let them go. Uh but this one is particularly bad. I mean, it's like Really, we the we've had so much trouble generating offense, and our number nine is like a sinkhole. It's it's out of control. So let's maybe uh, move on to some brighter things. So we'll move uh, on. Yeah. So yeah. so finally, what I'm excited about is you know this Guiana match. 
was still kind of friendly mode. Yeah. Because they still hadn't, you know, ostensibly started the 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 best 11. So this Trinidad game, this is the real game that we've been waiting for since the Trinidad game to see <laughs> <laughs> what the actual starting lineup of this national team is under Greg Berhalter. Yeah, we have and been if he, waiting if that he trots long. out, I, I am not, not the world's biggest Josie fan. There's a lot of players I would rather have starting ahead of Zardes uh, other than Josie. But if, if he doesn't start Josie, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to turn it off. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're, we're watching over, completely guys. different game. Pod's over. <laughs> We're just doing the doing the women's team from now on. She the peeps, change yeah, it. It's much better. They're they're good. The good nats. It's been way more fun to watch them, but not not definitely not as funny. I mean, if the goal of soccer was to make you laugh, this this U.S. men's this, this team's team fantastic. Is at crushing it. it. It's fantastic. So uh, we got to see some. So we got to see some actual real leadership from Weston McKenney, I thought out there. Yeah, we, we, saw, we saw some good things. Dribs from Pooley, baby. And Bradley's we saw some back. sick dribs, but we also saw a lot of not doing anything. Yeah. And a lot of very easy misses, which were very concerning. If yeah. I'm if I'm a if I'm a Chelsea fan, I am uh worried that he, he's not he can't slot home when he's one on one against the Guianan semi pro goalkeeper. <laughs> Actually not a good sign. Yeah, it's not a good sign. But I thought uh, McKenney looked good, had some nice passes. Is there anything exciting to talk about here? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm you, glad to you, see Pooley in, a, in, in the jersey. That at least yeah, is, is yeah. a big deal to me. And it, he, it, he's clearly of a different class. So I'm scared for his career going to Chelsea. I'm scared for his psychology going to England. It's fucking rough over there. I don't know that he has, like, the sand to handle that environment, but... You know, uh, uh, he yeah, looks good. He looks like a say. damn good player. Um, it's still kind of like a potential rather than rather than owning so. this game. Good. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm 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 concerned. I mean, he's he's getting to that age where you got to kind of put up. Uh, and I I do worry about the Chelsea thing because that that's an environment where one bad game and you're out for a month, and then you got one more chance, and if you don't crush it, then you're out for another month. You know, so. Um, so I have my concerns. I think you have to be encouraged by Boyd uh, yeah. overall. Boyd was also very wasteful with possession in the first half, which was making me upset. And and the you know John and Stu were saying how well he was doing and how he was a bright spot for the team. And I didn't really see that first half. Uh, yeah. But his two finishes were were very good. Uh, the second one had a deflection, so you got to take some points off for that. But yeah. he still hit it. He, he just leathered it. And the first one was really outstanding. I don't think yeah. there's a lot of players in the pool who can who can kind of pull that off. You know, usually, like, you know, just to pick an example, Jossi Zardes, you kind of see, they see a body in front of them, and they go, okay, it's not on. Shot's not on. And it takes, the, it takes a really uh, visionary striker to notice the spots where, yeah, even though there's traffic, it's still worth a hit. Um, so you see a lot of great strikers pulling pulling those kinds of goals off, and uh, and I liked seeing it from one of our guys. He's got a very fresh attitude. I like that he's yelling at people. He seems comfortable already in the team. I mean, there's there it can't be that intimidating at the moment. <laughs> so it's kind of a good spot to yeah. to come in. Uh, but he, he looks he looks like a player. Uh, he's he's not young enough for me to be like super high on him. You know, I'm not sure what the ceiling is there, but I think definitely a uh, useful national teamer. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll bring the level up uh, of the players yeah, around yeah. him. You know, he's going to compete for that starting spot 
which is one that has some legit question marks around it. Um, right. And and I you know we all we get at us at, on Twitter at WTP Pod. I think many of us feel that Ariola is not uh, shouldn't have that spot locked down, but he does. He definitely does. Oh boy. Uh, whereas Every on the match, other side, yeah. we've got like a Yedlin maybe, or you know, it's kind of it's kind of up in the air right now. So Boyd coming in, it's good timing for him, and he's definitely take making the most of the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I were Berhalter, I'd go for Pulisic and Boyd. And then and then do something else at the ten. I think um, one other noticing I had uh, was that Georgi Mihailovic, DJ Orgy, DJ is Orgy on the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> he is twenty, and I I had kind of known that he was young, and I I knew I kind of like technically knew his age, but I hadn't really contemplated before that it's actually kind of cool that he's on this team at that age. He he is uh, two months shy of being eligible for the for the U twenties, so we're getting to see the the good U twenty midfielder that we didn't get to see because Pomacall and and Alex Mendez are occupied or were occupied. Uh, so he's he's definitely at that caliber of a of a Pomacall, I would say, like based on their performances in MLS so far, and you know. Uh, he had a really, really bad game against Venezuela and was essentially useless, but um, but I think still very, very promising. It was cool to see uh, to see DJ Orgy out there, uh, proud of what he's doing, and I, and I think he does have a pretty high. It's incredible that that guy's coming back from an ACL tear. It's like amazing. I know that that's he's... wild. Yeah, I, that might have like contributed to my uh, like lack of sense of him as a as a youngster. But twenties twenties young twenties young, young for any any U.S. player to be seeing the field. Um, you know, I don't think he's good enough yet. You know, he's not in that category. Um, but th- this is what we want. You know, if, if we don't have a, uh, an older player who's just absolutely laying claim to a spot, like at the number 10, get a kid in there. Give him a chance. I think we should just do that forever. We should just go, let, let the, let a kid come in at 20, let them have the spot until 22, 23. If it's not working, move on to the next 20. Yeah. And just do that for every position. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my that's my very very simple heuristic for for how to select players for this team, and it's especially not to select bad twenty six year olds and twenty seven. Yeah, it's ridiculous that you know, and I think it's safe to say that Weston McKenney has solidified his spot. He was given that chance, and he is yeah. definitely the guy right now to do like kind of be one of those two number eights or whatever. Right, um, right, and yeah. th- and that's great to see. I agree with you that Polisic should be on the outside. Although I gotta mention it again because I'll take every chance I get. Polisic's best position is a hypothetical Jamie Vardy style number nine, and I his close if he get, he has a little work done with a life coach on his psychology of finishing. <laughs> if he thinks of finishing the way he thinks of tight passes through the midfield, he can score a million fucking goals. He's so fast and su- has such incredible touch in those tight spaces. I concur, and I do think uh, I also agree that it's a psychological thing because. Yeah. He, you know, if you just put him in the equivalent spot, you know, with no goal behind the line, and you just tell him to get it past the line, he can get it past the line. Yeah. So it's a it's a pressure thing and a psychology thing, um, and you know, I I don't know how you approach that. Well, you know, hypnosis is helpful. <laughs> uh, talk therapy, CBD oil, 
<laughs> Microdosing. <laughs> there was, there was uh, more than a few Guyanan players who looked like they might be partaking. <laughs> but okay, so I, uh, jumping back to the uh, defense, I was really missing a little Mr. Miazga out there, man. The, the touches yeah, coming was from too. Walker Zimmerman it's a, it, are not it's another. Enough. It's another one of those. I, I just I, I don't see the case for, uh, for, for Zimmerman. Um, I don't see the case for Long. He's just he's just he's a big dude. Like I'm I'm not seeing the upside that that I I see why he's he does well for New York, but for the national team, I don't know. I I just feel like Miazga has a uh, way way higher ceiling. Is a is a much younger player, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, than than either of those two. So so what do we need to see from this team looking forward against Trinidad? What's uh who who do you want to see on the field, and what do you want to see him do? Well. What I want to see them do is I'd really like them to kind of try the thing that they did for the first four games of the Burhalter era. This is an interesting that point was to go really back weird to. weird to me. The Burhalter thing has gotten kind of dropped. Yeah, they're not, they're not doing a lot of the patterns that we saw in those matches that we liked. And like going into it, we said what we really wanted them to do is just play the tab 4-3-3. Yeah. And so that, you know... I, I I would certainly be happy with that, and this was kind of closer to that, um, you know. I, I but I just didn't see anything distinctive tactically here that felt innovative, um, and so I'm, I'm just kind of like uh, discombobulated as a viewer of this team because I don't I don't get what like if that wasn't practice for this game, then why were we doing that? And also, if you brought in Nick Lima to be good at that, and you're like excluding players because they can't do that role, but we're not doing that role, it's pretty odd. And then also, if we're not doing that, then we really need to have fullbacks who can give us width, because the, the like the team is just like crying out for a little bit of um, more, you know, more attacking potency. Yeah, speed around and the And we outside. have these like stay at home. Fullback. So it's Tim Tim Ream is is not that. He's just Tim not Ream that. is not that. No. So they they played three center backs and a theoretically inverted fullback who didn't do that in the game. So I I, I guess it's kind of like a throwback to the Klinsman era, which is always a bad thing. That's a bad sign. That <laughs> what I'm hoping for is just some consistent consistency of ideas and of patterns of play. Is that too much to ask? Just like ha- having an idea of how the U.S. is going to play and executing it, and if that idea is really just to play the four-three-three, then great, let's do that. And just play, but the let's damn play personnel. Let's play personnel who suit that system, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's too much to ask for. I don't think we're going to see it. As I mentioned, you know, no, I did not. enough ranting and raving. Uh, in that one pod to last me for a couple months, so I'm gonna chill out. But speaking, and you got you got major majorly uh, dapped up on social. <laughs> yes. everybody loved it. <laughs> Thank you, y'all, for reaching out. Kev Dot also, you know, fans of the show may be familiar with the idea of Kevin, my homeboy from Seattle, and he the felt the same way. Homeboy. He was he was like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you really went out there and said it because that's what we're feeling. So I'll do the same thing for Trinidad to speak from the heart. I want to win, a goddamn win. I want us to crush Trinidad. I want to see Weston McKenney tell us what he would have done versus good. Trinidad yeah, that day. exactly. I want to see Pulisic get some retribution and get a goal. And I want to see us fucking win. Like, if it doesn't, you know, 
I'm I'm not expecting Burhalter to uh, rein it in and and kind of like figure it out with this team, but but I I can and will hope for a convincing win because that would do a lot for uh, the work I've been doing with my therapist ever since that day. <laughs> a cathartic win. Yeah. And could I could I just throw in a, a shout for a Pulisic goal? Please. It's been a while. It sure has. It's been has, a while, Pulisic yeah. baby. And and it's time for his shooting boots to come on. He looks good, though. He's got the... Yeah, he's getting a little bigger. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us for this double pod. If you made it all the way to the end of the show, uh, you are, you're, you're one of us, and we love you much. I like a lot of things, you know? I really like it um, when someone you know, hands me a compliment of some kind that I wasn't expecting. People surprise you, okay, out there in the world, and it can be easy to get cynical about folks, and every once in a while, someone really comes in with some kindness, some gratitude, and that shit is meaningful. So do that to the people around you if you get the opportunity. Um, I am, uh, I really love Gabriel Garcia Marquez, man. I, I, I like his books. I read them and get the sensation that I'm not getting whatever it is that he's laying down, but I still enjoy reading them. There's just something something always a little bit beyond me about the symbolism. Um, and I also quite like myself a good, solid candle. Uh, you may not think you need a candle, uh, and they can sometimes cost as much as like $20, which is out of control. Uh, but treat yourself. <laughs> just burn the 20 <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. They, they add so much to uh, this little life that we're living. And uh, whatever you can do to make your life worth, worth living is, uh, is, is a good thing. And so these little extra things like candles really go a long way. But I don't love any of that shit as much as I absolutely love the women's and the men's national team. Go Nats. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.